This is Doug Vincent, host of Walk and Roll Live. We talked with Bob Babbitt this week from Challenged Athletes Foundation. Bob was so interesting and engaging. He gave us more great content than we could use in one episode. What else could we do? We decided to give you an extra episode this week. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Walk and Roll Live. Today, we're diving deeper into our conversation with Bob Babbitt, co-founder of the Challenged Athletes Foundation. Our initial discussion was rich with insights and inspiration, so we just had to bring you more. Get ready to be inspired as we explore further into the world of adaptive sports and the incredible work of CAF. We just had a young man um, a few weeks ago, Parker Bird. Uh, you might have seen this on the news because it's a pretty big story. So leading into the Super Bowl, every few years I'll, I'll buy a Super Bowl ad in a regional market. So I had a $500 Super Bowl ad aired on Super Bowl Sunday in Greenville, North Carolina, the home of East Carolina University. And Parker in, in 2022 was uh, a top recruit at, at East Carolina University for baseball. And middle infielder, he, he signed his letter of intent when he was 14. Right? That's how good this kid was. And in July of 2022, right before he started his freshman year, he was tubing, got thrown off the tube, swimming back to the, to the boat. Boat backs up, cuts his leg off below the knee. Um, we connect with him, get him to Chicago to an amazing prosthetist named David Rotter. And the Super Bowl ad had this, this great dialogue where dad basically said to Parker, when Parker has leg amputated, you know, Parker said, what does this mean, dad? Dad goes, it means you'll never play baseball again. And mom was like, wait, 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 you never underestimate the will of your child or anybody else. And then Parker goes, but mom, there's never been a division one baseball player with a prosthetic leg. And mom goes, it's only mom's will, but there always has to be a first. And why can't it be you? So the Super Bowl ad ran on Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday, five days later, Parker goes up in a, this is a varsity D1 game, opening game for East Carolina University. In the eighth inning, he goes up the pinch hit, huge ovation, ends up walking and, you know, comes back to the dugout. The pinch runner is a, a full ovation again, ends up on Sports Center on Friday night. World News Tonight is America Strong uh, the following night. Yahoo, Yahoo uh, Google News, you name it, it's been everywhere. So it's, you know. That, I think that, I just saw him on Instagram. You saw him on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that was, you know, that was one of those things. We planted the seed with the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl ad got a ton of media about this idiot buying a $500 Super Bowl ad. <laughs> and, and then the next thing you know, this kid is actually going the bat in a Division One baseball game. And now I've got a kid named Joe Gomez, one of our kids, who's a, he's a, an, in, an engineering student at Purdue and is running on their track team, right? He's running on their track and he's visually impaired. It's like, at first, he was just trying to get access to use a track to train for the Paralympics. Then when they realized how fast the kid was, and he was faster than some of their athletes, it's like, why don't, why isn't he on our team? And so now he's on our team. You know, and, and kudos to those coaches that, that see that potential and, and are yep. willing to take a chance. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was funny. One of the coaches I really respect this one of our, uh, she's a hand amputee. Uh, her name is Danny, and she's from the Idaho area. I think she's Idaho. But anyways, when she applied for you know track and field, uh, the coach, all he saw was her times. He had no idea she was an amputee until she got on campus. And it really shouldn't have mattered. 
nope. and it's in her hand. That's not affecting her running. Who cares? Uh, so anyways, that, that that's seeing the mainstream effect of CAF. And, and one of the things, and you guys will relate to this, when we first started CAF back then, when you talked charity, it was late night commercials with Sally Struthers, with violin music and people <laughs> crying and please yep. feel sorry for me and send me money. I, I We wanted nothing to do with that. We want, our athletes are powerful. Our athletes are overcoming the odds and being great. So our early photos for CAF were a double above knee amputee, seven, eight years old, Rudy Garcia Tolson, hands on his hips, low angle shot by this great photographer, Tim Antoine, Ingram Bridge here in San Diego in the back, Rob, and basically looking right at the camera. And the look says, yeah, what are you looking at? You give me a piece of equipment, I'll kick your ass. Right, right. over your shoulder as we can see it here on uh, yeah, we're doing Rudy. this on Zoom. That's Rudy. Yeah. That's Rudy right there. Yeah. But that's, you know, that to me is that became our mantra. Sport yeah. is never underestimate the power of sport to change lives for the better. You know, we had uh, Mike Box on a couple of weeks mm. ago, I think. And yeah. and that was one of the things that uh, I was telling him about, you know, because I first really started to see some, you know, some changes in the industry and how wheelchairs were marketed. You know, and I, cause I went to an event and I come upon the colors uh, demonstration yeah. and, and the, I'm looking at these brochures and and there's there's young, you know, attractive people, athletic looking, you know, in their everyday chairs. You know, it wasn't, you know, a hospital environment or or yeah. yet to, to really none of that sad stuff. This is this is potential and, you know, and 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 being attractive and and the aspirational kind of aspect to it. So. Yeah, it was really different. And, you know, I, I, me and my brother, we were both polio survivors. Yeah. So we grew up when we were, you know, single digit ages and all of our friends were starting to ride bikes. You know, we used to dream about, you know, there's got to be a way that we could put together a bike that we could do with our hands. You know, neither yeah. of us had any of the knowledge or talent or anything to do that. But it's come to fruition now, you know, and and I got a grant and I got a, a hand cycle and I've done some triathlons and some a half marathons and very and cool. I, I found it too late, you know, to be, to really be a threat competitively, but uh, recreationally it was great. You know, it's, it's uh, fun to do. Well, one of the things that we, you think about it back when McLaren was injured 30 some years ago, there wasn't really sport for him. I mean, wheelchair yeah. I mean, in terms of you, there's a quadriplegic, there wasn't power soccer, right? Nothing. There, there wasn't power soccer. Uh, there really quad rugby was just getting going. Maybe. Nowadays, uh, the technology is so good. We were, I was just in Salt Lake City touring this facility that's, that's created the, the Tetra ski. I don't know if you've seen that. Mm-hmm. For, it's for quadriplegics. It's a ski that you, create, that you control with a joystick or with puffing. With a person oh. behind you, you have a person behind you as sort of a safety net. Yes. But you control the blades entirely. You control the Snow ski skiing, control. right? Snow ski. Yeah. Snow ski. Yes. You know, uh, we had Sean Fluke on from live to roll. And uh, he was just telling us about that. Yep. That and then is the, awesome. other, the other thing that we just got a, this is two years ago, um, Amy Van Dyken, who mm-hmm. is a, you know, Amy was a six time Olympic gold medalist who was yep. paralyzed back in, in 2014 ATV accident, got her an off-road e-assist hand cycle and she's just ripping it up. Oh, I bet. I mean, and the problem is that these things are used to be your most expensive stuff was five to seven thousand dollars. Now 
It's a tetra ski is 30, a power soccer chair is 10, an off-road e-assist hand skull is 15 to 20. Yeah. So the, the technology is getting better. Uh, but if you think about it, as you know, you lose the trails. You're in a regular everyday wheelchair. You, your hands are going to the dirt if you're going to the trails. Mm -hmm. So now you see somebody on an off-road e-assist lasher hand cycle, they've got that they've got insurance because they got the e-assist on there and they can go rip up anything. Oh man, to get just lost in that whole thing. That that would be awesome. Um, what was the other thing you just were reminded me of talking about those all those things? What was it? Ah. Well, the other, actually, the other one that yeah. I think Box makes a lot of them is a WCMX chair. You talk about wheelchair skateboarding. Yeah. And that is taken off. All the kids are out doing wheelchair skateboarding. So between wheelchair skateboarding and para and para surfing, there's just so adaptive surfing. There's so many cool new sports out there. I love it. And actually, one of our guys, Carlos Maleta, was just showing me he's got a, a skateboard with like a, a motor on it. Um, he put his, he mounted his racing chair bucket on top of a skateboard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my God, dude, you're going to kill yourself. But you yeah. know, that's one thing we did. You just reminded me. That's one thing we did as kids. I would just sit on a regular skateboard yeah. when I was a kid and I would just cross my, my legs Yep. and sit on it like that and push with my hands. Exactly. And you know, I'm gonna brag a lot I was pretty good on that thing i bet you were <laughs> no question about it well that's yeah. why rudy started on skateboard too they yeah they told rudy you're not gonna do and that's we forget that uh our guys rudy's the first generation yeah. right back then if you were double above knee amputee you, you you and your parents were told you will never walk you know you will be in a wheelchair maybe you use a walker but uh, and it was pretty interesting because yeah. when Rudy had his legs amputated after uh, 15 surgeries, he was six years old, and the, the, his mom immediately called the prosthetist and said, okay, Rudy has legs amputated. When's he going to run? And Michael Davidson kept saying, lady, he's on stilts. He's never going to run, right? He's going to use a walker, probably a wheelchair. She'd call every week. So when's Rudy going to run? And after like four or five weeks, he says, you need to bring your son in here so I can explain to you face to face why your kid will never run. <laughs> and when Michael told me when he walked into the waiting room to meet Rudy for the first time, he was doing a handstand on a walker and figured if this kid wants to run, he better figure it out. So Rudy became his collaborator. Rudy was seven. And the two of them changed the whole face of prosthetics. They now, worked together. Did they have blades yet? Nope. No. He, he was did, building those. He was building those. Yeah. So that was, that's what it led to. But the work they did, similar to what NASCAR does for regular everyday cars, yeah. Rudy broke 50 sets of legs. And Rudy, but Rudy was his test, basically yeah. his, uh, you know, he, he was his, his his guy testing this stuff out to see what would work. And Michael was telling me, he says, you know, you sort of forget that your collaborator's eight years old because, you know, he'd come in, he broke us, he broke the socket on one of the legs said, Rudy, what happened? I jumped off a wall and I don't know, somehow it cracked. I don't know why. <laughs> and so Michael told me, he says, I'm holding this, I'm holding the socket and I lift it up and all these Tootsie Rolls roll out. And I realized it flashes back that my collaborator is eight, right? He's using <laughs> his socket to stash his stash. Yeah. <laughs> but the work those two guys did together yeah. changed the whole face of prosthetics. Michael Davidson, uh, he's over at Loma Linda's. Is he still there? Yes. Right. He is. Yeah. Yeah, he, he worked on a brace or two of mine over there. They've got a wonderful department, the whole oh, East, the best. East also, Campus. You, you know Willie Stewart from over there. I know Willie Stewart. one arm Willie, you betcha. Yeah. Also, all, Willie, all these names you're throwing out because Carlos Maletta 
when I first, that's where I got my grant for the, the, the hand cycle yes. was through possibilities and possibilities yes. brought out Carlos to ride along with me. This is my first, you know, I had maybe six weeks to train yeah. and, um, then he came and rode along with me on that day. And, you know, here's this world-class guy. We talked early on about the, the marathon or the, the triathlon in Hawaii, that guy, he's the king of the, of the Hawaiian champion. Yes, yep. exactly. And, you know, multi-time national champion, all those things. And, and, you know, the lesson I got out of that to, to, the, to this day is the little voice in my head is, you know, it's, it's your mind that will stop you from doing things. It's not yeah. your body. No matter what your body's capabilities are. Well, and, and you know, the other thing that I love is in, you know, and you know, if starting in 94 for Hawaii, we were pushing actually even earlier to try to get wheelchairs accepted into the Ironman. They'd already been accepted into road racing. So it's like, okay, how do we get, this is a swim, bike, run sport. How do we come up with something that works for Ironman? Because Iron Man's concern, if I said, okay, you can swim, use a hand cycle, and use a racing chair, right? Racing chairs for running, hand cycles for riding. And their concern was, well, some guy comes to us and says, I don't swim. I want to use a windsurfer. You know, they, were they opening mm -hmm. up Pandora's box by changing swim, bike, run to swim, hand cycle, racing chair? Gotcha. And so we wrote very, the rules were very succinct. You had to use a hand cycle. And you used to had to use a racing chair. You couldn't mix and match and say, well, you know what? I want to use a, a race bike. I want to ride my regular bike, but then I want to use a racing chair because that's way faster than running. No. So in 94, 95, no, in 1984, a guy named John Franks came over to Kona and didn't make the bike cutoff time. And that was another one of our really big I, I, thoughts was we didn't want rules changed from if the cutoff time was X for the swim, X for the bike, X for the run, and for a finish, we don't want to change that. We want a level playing field. That's all we're asking for is for our athletes to be allowed to participate on the same course at the same time as everybody else. Geeks in the sun. That's what these guys are. Doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair. Doesn't matter if you're on a bicycle or running. You're, Let you're, me ask you something, Bob. In yeah. all of those discussions, when you were, you know, kind of hiring all those particulars out, did did anybody raise the issue that the the challenged athlete was doing all three disciplines with his arms and was well, that, that was what, that was the whole thing. Was hey, this is going to be tougher because yeah. they're going to be doing the whole all day long. Yeah. They're doing this with their arms. So the the other athletes, right? They had a, a, an advantage because for a third of it, they used their legs. Well, and the deal is, it was never an issue with the other athletes. No, because the no, other I athletes know. had seen in shorter triathlons, people were out there doing it. Yes. It was you know, Ironman was is the world championship. Yeah. So to have a world championship division in the hand cycle, it had to be done right. And so 94, John, McC John Franks didn't make it. 95, 96, a guy named John McLean from Australia didn't make the bike cutoff times. In the, but in 97, he made all three cutoff times and went 12, 21. So now we're going, okay, someone can get it done. The following year, Carlos Maleta came over in 98 and goes 10, 55, which would have won the first two Ironman events overall, <laughs> right? They would have beaten everybody. So now all of a sudden a that beast. whole thing goes away of, Oh, I, I wonder if a wheeler can finish to how fast can they go? And that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. And the other side of that was, this was a, a really caught catching lightning in a bottle. Cause when Carlos came over Navy seal shot in the back in Panama, 1989 paralyzed and waist down against David Bailey, 
motocross world champion, making 650K a year doing motocross and supercross before he was paralyzed. So 98, 99, 2000, those two guys who couldn't like each other because there's one prize, right? So here you had Carlos winning in 98 and 99. And then in 2000, I actually uh, said to Carlos, I think this is going to be close this year. And he goes, you might think that it's going to be over early. (laughs) So he passes David coming out of the water, going up this first hill called Pay and Save Hill, disappears. David catches him right on the bike. And then they're riding back to town. And at about mile 110, David flats. So Carlos gets five minutes before the marathon. And when they come through town, Carlos has a five minute lead. David Bailey's mom and his wife are on the side of the road, giving him the golf clap. Way to go, honey. You tried, but Carlos is kicking your butt again. It's over. And David had spent that whole season, 150-mile hand cycle rides, right? Coming home, pictures of Carlos all over the house, falling asleep in the bathroom on the floor, right? <laughs> His wife finding him passed out on the floor of the kitchen because he was he was a man possessed. He yeah. wanted to beat Carlos. So they go into this thing called the Natural Energy Lab, and David is two minutes back. They come out, and David has caught Carlos. And David ends up winning the race. I, I'm at the finish line. I'm like, you know, David, do you want to go get a massage? No, 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 no. I need to wait for Carlos. So Carlos comes in, and you know, you use the grimy gloves to, to race the racing chair with. They, yeah. they touch gloves. They embrace. And I see David say something to Carlos. And as they rolled away, I said, David, uh, I said, uh, Carlos, what did he say? He said, thank you. I said, what? He said, yeah, that's what I said. He said, thank you for pushing me to a level that I wouldn't have reached on my own. No. And to me, that's the epitome of sport, right? Is steel sharpened steel. You push each other. The disability in the chair disappeared. Two great athletes wanting the same prize and doing whatever the hell it takes to get there. That to me, and Carlos will tell you, when I leave my chair at the, at the pier in the morning before that race starts, I'm the same as everybody else right? I feel as free as everybody else. I jump in the water. I ride my hand cycle. I got my racing chair. And during that race, people were chanting. They were like, go David, go Carlos. Everybody knew who they were. Again, it was like Mark Allen against Dave Scott and Paul Newby Frazier against Aaron Baker. It was two great athletes who both wanted the same prize. And it was and a great story. You got your great story. That's what it's about. This is storytelling. That's what it's about. I, you know, I, um, I, there's other things I want to ask. I, I hear that though. And I'm like, God, that'd be a nice place to end the interview. But I'm just curious for, you know, you've got that elite, you know, those guys on the world stage going against each other head to head and, you know, each other's nemesis, but for the, for the recreational person, mm-hmm. what, what does CAF offer for the weekend warrior? Well, see, that's that's what people people say. God, you work with a lot of elite athletes. They didn't start as elite athletes, right? Right. We come in. I mean, obviously, there's people with congenital, like yourself, polio, right? Yeah. But we come in at that point of trauma. We come in a lot of times at, at the worst moment of somebody's life. They just had, you know, they they were just in a motorcycle accident. They whatever it happened to be. Well, what we're here for is to show them the salad bar of okay, what's out there? What sport makes sense for you? And it's the never thought is never you're going to go to the Paralympics. You're going to go win the Ironman. It's like with, with Rudy and Michael Davidson, Michael Davidson was like, I'm not working with this kid to run. I'm working with this kid to be a kid. I'm just giving him, I want to create legs that where he can be a kid. Well, that's all we want to do. We want to give people, give people sport. 
and give him that outlet that we all know, the wind in your face, the endorphins, the sweat, all the great things that sport gives you. And if they decide to take it to another level, awesome. And we can help with that as well. But it's it's not about that. When, when somebody comes to us and just was in a diving accident, uh, they dove into a shallow pool, which happens way too much. Or the other th- grant that I've read too many of lately is kids getting run over by lawnmowers. Is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but when you read those and they're, you know, kids are six, seven, eight years old, it's what sport do they want to get into? What equipment can we help them with? What adaptive community is there in wherever they live that we can connect them to? And then whatever happens from there, that that's really that's up to them. That's up to their will and wherever they want to go. Yeah. Our full thing is we want people to get sport and to have sport for the rest of their life. And it opens up their mind to so many other things that they may have thought they weren't going to be able to, especially the folks that have to turn their life on a dime, you know, from one day to the next, it's an entirely different, you know, view of the, of the future that they have. And it just opens it up to all these other possibilities. Yeah. Work and, and family and all those things are still possible. Uh, Well, and then when they see, you know, I've had when we when we brought Hunter Woodhall, the kid who and a four time uh, four time All American, right, for a kid who couldn't get a schol- college scholarship, they weren't going to give somebody who was a double amputee yeah. a scholarship. Well, when other kids, when we had Hunter out here a couple years ago, these little amputee boys all ran up. They knew every split time this kid ever had. They knew about his two bronze, two silver, two uh, his bronze medal, his silver medal, his you know top ranked top uh, top quarter mile in Utah, top 20 in the country. He was the Roma, same as if we saw a great baseball player, or football player, that guy is that mentor and that role model. The same, you know, Carlos Maleta. Carlos Maleta coaches our women's hand cycling team that travels around the country. Actually, when you mentioned Carlos, so we're talking two days ago, he was inducted into the Ironman Hall of Fame this last oh. October. But because he'd been dealing with PTSD and was getting heart palpitations when he gets on a plane, he can't travel or he can't, he can't fly. So I accepted his award for him, but told him I'm going to keep it. And eventually we're going to have you here to San Diego. And so Sunday we had a full house at our tri club of San Diego meeting. And I did a Q and a with Carlos there and then had the founders of Ironman, John and Judy Collins, Mike Riley, Ironman Hall of Famer, myself, Ironman Hall of Famer there to give him his trophy in front of, you know, a, a sold out crowd. So that's, that type of stuff is really important because you know, Carlos needs to know how much he is loved as a coach and a mentor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Had had him on a few weeks ago too, and you know, learned so much about him. I didn't realize he had a whole life as a skateboarder yep. before any of this. Oh yeah, in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, why he came to the United States. That's that's amazing. So many great stories in there. They intertwine so much. It's they amazing. really do. Well, as Forrest mentioned, you know, you're a busy, busy guy. I, I kind of detected a little enthusiasm for all of this in talking to you. And I, I get the impression we could probably talk all day long, which I would enjoy immensely. But yes, thank sir. you for uh, spending some time with us here on Walk and Roll Live. We appreciate it very much. Are you going to the Abilities Expo? You know, when is the Abilities Expo? Uh, in L.A., it's uh, March 15th through 17th. If I'm around, I'll definitely hop up yeah. there. That would all be right. great. Sounds good. Well, have a great day. And thank you for everything well, you do and have done. One, yeah. One final thing, Doug. go. Uh, just looking at your, at your organization, it's got to be huge. Do you know off the top of your head how many people are involved in CAF? It's, 
We have 25 in our our, our building in San Diego, which is Full amazing. Time. Yep. And then we have uh, two in New York, two in San Francisco. And then we have our new facility, which I'm not sure. Do you know about our new facility, Doug? And, no. Uh, mm -mm. So Albertson Grocery Chain, which is based up in Boise, their Albertson Foundation reached out to us five years ago and said, we want you to bring Adaptive Sport to Idaho and we'll fund it to the tune of seven figures. So one arm Willie and uh, a number of our other uh, challenge athletes who live up there start doing clinics, wheelchair basketball, para Nordic, para biathlon, you name it. So three years ago, they reached out and said, we think it's time for field house. We're like, what's a field house? Well, we just bought, um, we bought uh, seven acres of land and we're building a 55,000 square foot, $60 million facility for challenged athletes here in wow. Idaho. We went to the wow. grand opening two months ago and we're talking about a full-on pool with a ninja course above it, a rock climbing wall. Everywhere you go in your wheelchair, the doors open automatically. Uh, dorms for 18, full-on gymnasium, pair of a um, hyperbaric building uh, that they have. So we have a, uh, a partner charity up there uh, called Mission 43. And what Mission 43 does is they identify post 9-11 military and they help them train for their next life. And so, and a lot of those athletes are dealing with, you know, post-traumatic stress and other wound care, et cetera. And that hyperbaric building is for them. What, what city is this in? Boise. Okay. Wow. Right on the river, right on the bike path. There's like 40, 40 miles of bike path right there outside the door of the facility. Is that something a civilian can visit? It, I think you just have to, um, it's a challenged athlete. If you're up there visiting, yeah, we could see. Yeah, I, I mean, I just want to see the place. I, I know. Yeah. Get a tour. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. I, I'm thinking I got an addition to my bucket list there. That, that gave me chills all over my it's, entire body. Well, and probably me? the thing that hit me the most out of that, Doug, is when you think about, you know, we, I felt like we were sort of visionary in, in yeah. saying, this is how we're going to treat challenge athlete. This is, this is what we're going to provide. We're going to provide equipment, et cetera, et cetera. But then a group like Albertson Foundation recognizes what we're doing and says, yeah. we're going to amplify it at a million percent. And we're going to yeah. build a facility specific. We're going to build an Olympic training center for you guys. That's, you know, that, it, that's you know it's, it sounds like, because as you were saying all that, and I, I'm asking myself, what would make Albertson's do that, not only do that, but do that to that level in Boise, Idaho. And, and so it sounds like there's a story behind that where somebody's got a connection. Well, they're, in it. terms of Boise, that's where they're based. Mm -hmm. And if you go to Boise, there's all this park system there is all funded by the Albertson Foundation. They're just amazing people. Okay, so they've already got a kind of a legacy of they really do you know, doing that. Philanthropy is and just health and wellness. deeply ingrained. Yeah, they're just wonderful, wonderful people. So our staff there, I think we have five or six that are based in the building. So it's a, uh, it's a pretty special that place. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Well, that, that was the question I was asking you. You said, so you got 25 uh, full-time in San Diego and then yep. selected others, but to run this huge organization, it requires a lot of money and it requires a lot of volunteers and things. So if people want to donate or volunteer, what, what is the best way to get that out there? The best way is just go to the challengedathletes.org website because we have volunteer opportunities, um, all of our clinics and camps and galas. We just had a gala 
on Saturday night that was unbelievable. It was called the Celebration of Will. Robin Williams is, was a huge supporter, did our event 11 years in a row. Actually, when he passed away, he owned 87 bicycles. And they auctioned those off for both us and for the Christopher Reeve Foundation. I think each each of us received like $300,000. But Robin loved CAF and we loved Robin. So we started Celebration of Will. We do every five years. So the 20th anniversary, 25th, and then the 30th was on was on uh, Saturday night. And we raised $5.8 million that evening. Uh, and uh, it was it was really, really special. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And Carlos was part of the opening um, opening. The opening number was to the song. This is me. And we had Rudy and Carlos and this nine year old little girl named Lana. And it was it was phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, and we had this choir, uh, the Mizunzi Choir out of South Africa uh, came, and it was, uh, oh, my God, so special. Yeah, I want to volunteer for all these things and <laughs> get out there because, you know, you, you go to a lot of events and people grumble about the weather, about the traffic, about the food, the social media, whatever. But I, I, going to these events, I can't imagine that anybody is complaining about anything. There's just so much positive energy vibe going everywhere. You got to be lifting that, like you say, why walk where you, you can fly? Mentally, you're going to be flying after these events. He's the kind of guy you just want to hang out with, right? Well, thank you for joining us on this bonus episode of Walk and Roll Live. We hope you found our conversation with Bob as enlightening and motivating as we did. Remember, the power of sports knows no bounds, and organizations like the Challenge Athletes Foundation are testament to that. One other thing, we need your help. We would like to start doing live podcasts at Walk and Roll Live, but to do so, we need 50 subscribers. So if you could go to the Walk and Roll Live page on YouTube and subscribe to our page, that would be awesome. We'd love to be able to do this before the Abilities Expo so we could do some live hits from the Expo floor. Thank you so much for any help you can give us. And before we sign off, don't forget to drop us an email at warlive at walkandrolllive.com to join our email list and stay updated on future episodes and exciting news. Until next time, keep walking, keep rolling, and keep living life limitless.